0: like you don't know it and you don't like it just because you're in church. Hey, good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well. It's one of my uh, favorite Beatles songs, and um, no, I didn't request it for the intro for this series. Um, You would think that I have that influence, but I really don't, all right? But anyway, I do like it, though. So uh, my name's Todd. I'm the uh, lead pastor here. Really glad that you're here. Uh, It has been a while since uh, I have uh, been here. We were here last week after our trip to Kenya and uh, shared a little bit about that. So I want to encourage you to go online and check that out uh, from last week. We had a, an amazing time there, me and a uh, few from our church, and a few others uh, working with No Hungry Children over there in Nairobi. A great time. But uh, we've got a lot going on in the life of our church. I want to let you know uh, a few things. One is, is you may notice, there's a few extra open seats today, and that has to do with the fact that uh, we've got about 30, uh, actually about 40 of our folks up at a uh, middle school and high school retreat, fall retreat uh, this week. Justin, our student pastor. Uh, and James, who is our associate uh, worship director, are there with our students. God bless them. And uh, so, anyway, our students, uh, middle school and high school, uh, the pastor's kid included. So, really bless them. Um, so, anyway, they're up there and be praying for them. Um, be praying as they wrap things up today and as they uh, head home later this afternoon. Uh, we've heard good things and we've heard that everybody's safe. And, and so, that's good. That's, the, that's like the bar right there, it's the lowest bar. But but it's the bar, all right. So everybody's good. And uh, youth pastors will say uh, the goal is is to take this uh, to come home with the same amount that you take on a retreat and camp. So that's a, those are always good things. So uh, be praying for our students, and so thankful for Justin and James and all of our volunteers. Uh, who work so hard with our students and our kids' ministry. Also, uh, just want to let you know a couple things as a church. uh, We hit a couple milestones, or a couple uh, important things uh, this past week. Uh, Many of you have been with us uh, since February, and in February, we kicked off a generosity initiative called All In, which is a two-year generosity initiative to raise enough money for our general fund that 's for the mission of our church for the future, which is doing some projects around here, including the purchase of Building B right out there that 's right on highway two seventy eight and for the world for partners like no Hungry Children in Nairobi and uh, like our partners in Belize and uh, New York and Atlanta all around the world and uh, so we had a goal of three point seven in commitments we hit three million we 're still working on that extra seven hundred thousand but uh, this week we surpassed the $1 million mark in receipts in total cash come in. So that's a huge, huge uh, thing to be praising the Lord about. Thank you so much for those of you who have made commitments. We've had about half of our regular attenders and members commit. And so I want to thank you so much uh, for that. And for uh, those of you who are in the other half, I'll be uh, reaching out to you soon. So expect a phone call, all right? So anyway, in all seriousness, I will. Uh, So anyway, I do want to get with you and meet with you about uh, All In and uh, be able to explain it. And uh, God's doing amazing things. Um, The other thing that we need to celebrate today is that um, coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, it's just God moving. Uh, Last week, we, after a year's worth of negotiating with Hargrave, last week we submitted our formal offer and contract along with earnest money for the purchase of Building B. And so be praying with us, absolutely. That's reason to celebrate. And as you know, uh, Building B is right here, right out in front of us, and uh, that will give us an entree, a front door, if you will, into our community, and uh, along with a couple other things. All the information about All In can be found online, can be found on our website. It also can be found right as you leave uh, to the right uh, of the main doors. There's a uh, a stand there with all the information uh, for All In contained there. So just want to encourage you to go visit that if if, uh, you haven't done that. And I'd love for you to be involved in what God is doing through All In. You know, another thing that's going on in the life of our community and our nation, there's this little thing coming up Tuesday. It's called an election. Um, If you haven't heard about it, just watch football today. You'll hear about it, I promise you. And uh, it's coming up Tuesday. It's midterm elections. And today, uh, I want to talk about what the Christian response ought to be to one of the most divisive things in the world, and that's politics. And I realize that some of you are like, oh, my goodness, first time I've been in church in years or months, and he's going to talk about politics. Uh, Bear with me, because I'm not going to talk about politics, but I'm going to talk about politics. So uh, uh, trust me, I'll be uh, harmless, and um, I hope prayerfully uh, will drive home a few points from God's word uh, about what it means to be a Christian and involved in the political process. I I was a pre-law major, poli-sci, so uh, when um, the election comes up, I get excited like somebody who's really committed to do a football team, which I am also, go dogs, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm committed to uh, just watching and observing the political process and um, really uh, don't have any specific uh, you know, party or person I'm pulling for, but I, I really uh, watch it and, and I like watching it. But I will tell you, as someone who's a you know, pre-law major, poli-sci major, uh, man, I, I love this. I love that stuff. But as a pastor and as a human, Um, Over the years, it has begun to disgust me, to be quite honest. And I know that a lot of you probably feel the same way about politics in America. A lot of Americans feel that same way about politics in America. In fact, uh, a recent Pew Research poll um, in the United States of America in late 2017 um, showed that Americans have a larger agreement gap or a disagreement gap, a large disagreement gap about politics more than just about any other important issue Uh, to the tune of um, this particular survey showed a 36% gap in kind of the difference of opinion that Americans have on 10 different important political uh, values. They they researched and they polled uh, uh, thousands of Americans, and it came out that it was 36%. And I I realize that's meaningless to us. Like, what does that mean, 36%? If you watch the news and you watch TV and you talk to people, it sounds like it should be much greater than that, right? Uh, But to give you kind of a point of reference, in 1994, Pew Research did the same analysis, the same poll with the same questions based on the same 10 political values, and the difference was 15% in 1994. So the gap has gone from a difference of opinion of 15% on major political issues to a gap of 36%. That's a huge margin in a relatively short period of time. In addition, the same research showed that Americans generally have less of a gap in their difference of opinion on issues such as religion, race, uh, 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 gender issues, education issues, where it shows a difference of seven to about 14 percent. So the most divisive thing in our culture right now is politics. And we see it on a national level for sure, but we're watching it take place right here in our own, relatively speaking, small community, aren't we, with our mayoral race coming up uh, this Tuesday. It's been incredibly divisive, hasn't it? It's gotten ugly at times. And I believe that the gap that we see in America was highlighted more in 2016 than in any other time in our lives, Shortly after the election, um, I had two people um, that I had conversations with at the same church two days apart, and here's how these two conversations went. Uh, One person commented to me um, after Trump won the election. They said, how can anyone who voted for Trump be a Christian? And two days later, the same person said to me, how can anyone who didn't vote for Donald Trump be a Christian? And I kind of laughed a little bit like I heard some of you laughed, and then I thought, this is really sad, because the divide that we see in America has now entered the church, and politics is something that is more divisive in the church and in our, in our Western culture than anything else. We have very little common ground, even with people who we may agree on in certain areas, And I realize, again, that some of you are very uncomfortable, even right now, me talking about politics. And I'll tell you that um, uh, Cynthia and I, we went to a college and and went to a church that was associated with our our college, that every time we went to church, we heard a political speech from the platform. And I walked away from that going, never, never, never. And there's a few points of disclaimer that I want to make this morning. First and foremost, stay with me. So hang on, stay with me. I promise this will be painless. Um, Disclaimer number one is, is that we as a church will never endorse a political party, a political philosophy, or a political candidate. You will never see someone walk up on this stage stumping for whatever it is that they believe in. So that's the first disclaimer that I want to make. The second thing is it's extremely rare for me to speak on such issues. Um, I only speak on political issues when there's something that's burning that's going on in society that has a direct impact on, on what we believe about God's word to be truth. In those cases, I will speak about it. But the third disclaimer is um, that uh, I take a lot of heat for not giving my political views of which I actually do have them. You can't be a poli-sci major and a pre-law major and come out of college without political views. But I take a lot of heat for not expressing that on Sunday morning. And that's kind of actually the whole point of this message is I think the Bible actually does give us another way that we can, as Christians, talk about politics in a way that does help us to come together. Because there is something that we as Christians, we as people who call ourselves followers of Jesus, actually can have unity and agreement in, and the Apostle Paul talks about it all throughout his letters. In fact, today we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2, and uh, we're going to be taking a look here in a few minutes from there. But let me give you the fourth, fourth disclaimer this morning, and that is, is, here's what I'm not saying, and I want you to hear this very clearly. I'm not saying that Christians should not pay attention to politics, In fact, I think the opposite is true. I think we need to know what's going on at the local, state, and national level in terms of what's going on in our culture. I'm not saying that Christians should not have a political voice. There are times where God is going to call us to have a very specific voice, and I'm also not saying that Christians should be afraid to have a political opinion. Someone sent me an email, and they said, Pastor, I'm so disappointed because you're afraid to talk about these issues. No, I'm not afraid to talk about those issues but there's a very specific reason and i think we find it from philippians 2 as to why you're not going to hear me talk about these specific issues unless they have a direct connection to god's word and that is because there is this great divide in america and there's this great divide that if we aren't careful christians will enter our churches and it will destroy our opportunity to spread the message of Jesus. You see the great divide means that we cannot as Christians be committed to political views more than the message of Jesus. The great divide is says that we can't be committed to our political views more than the message of Jesus, nor can we uh, be driven uh, by being right more than sharing the love of Jesus. And also, I think it says that we cannot be more committed to our own personal agenda more than following Jesus. The Apostle Paul was concerned about the very same thing in all of these cities that he visited and that he established churches in. In one city that he established a church in, that um, really, they actually were doing a great job, but he gave them a word of warning about Christian unity was this church that was located in this very important city by the name of Philippine. we've actually studied Philippians 2 before. One of my favorite books is the book, this letter, this book of Philippians. But I want us to read and take a look at what Paul says so that we can find what I believe is the way that we as Christians ought to approach politics and the voice that we ought to have. Check this out in Philippians 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Paul writes this. He says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the what? The same mind. The same mind. He says, having the same love, being in full accord, and of, what's the next two words? One mind. One mind. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Oh man, if our politics could get this, the commercials would be a lot different, wouldn't they? The rhetoric would be so totally changed if our politics could get this. He says in verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. And in verse 5, he says this, have, say those next two words with me, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now here's what Paul, I believe, is saying to the church. And I believe it applies to us in many different arenas, but today in 2018, being that it's this week, the week of the midterm elections, and and being that it's in the culture that we're in, where there's this huge divide in America, I believe this is the message that we should hear about our time right now, and that is, is that you and I as Christ followers have the responsibility to have the mind of Christ. Paul describes here the mind of Christ and his exhortation is that we ought to have the mind of Christ instead of having the mind of a man, the mind of a political opinion, the mind of a political agenda, agenda, the mind of a political party or candidate. I believe that we as Christians first and foremost ought to stand on the truth of the mind of Jesus John Piper describes this. He says that when Paul talks about the three minds here, and I'm going to describe that in a minute, he's talking about not just an attitude, not just a set of values and not just behavior, but he says it's almost like a a set of attitudes. And I love that. It's like a set of attitudes. You see, Paul in here is describing What we are supposed to do as Christians, and he uses the word mind, and he uses it three different times, and it's the same word in the original language. He doesn't change that word. It's not meaning one thing one time and one thing the other time, but what he does is he puts a description in front of it each time to to bring home a more specific understanding, not a different understanding of the meaning of that word. He says that we should have Uh, We should kind of be united under one mind. He begins by saying one mind. The mind of Jesus is first and foremost one message. Church, I want you to hear that today. The message of Jesus is a singular message. And yes, it has many facets. Yes, it has many tentacles. Yes, it has many different things under it. But the message of Jesus is singular. And that is, is that God sent his son Jesus into this world to save the world from its sins, to die a brutal death so that we can have forgiveness of sins, and to rise again three days later so that we can have life eternal with God in heaven. That's the one mind that Paul's talking about here. It's not pluralistic. It's not separate. It's not multifaceted. It's one thing. It's why we as a church have one mission statement, to passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him. It's the the great commission that we're given at the end of, of the book of Matthew and again repeated in Mark and again repeated in Acts. It's one mind. But then in that same verse, just a phrase later, Paul says we ought to be of the same mind. And I want you to hear, church, that what he's saying is is that we ought to be unified around that one message. We as a church, we may walk out of here today and we may have 150 or 200 people in this room today and there may be a couple hundred people that watch this on on, uh, the the web stream later or, or even right now and we may walk away from this and we may have a thousand different opinions on a thousand different things but there's one thing that we can come together on and that is the message of eternal hope. Because of what God did through Jesus. It's Christ and Christ crucified. And that's it. And so Paul says that we ought to have one mind and that we ought to be of the same mind. But don't you love Paul because he doesn't leave it out there for us to imagine what it is? In verse five, he says, We ought to have this mind. And he goes on to describe the fact that Jesus came and he came with humility and he came to be a servant. And he came because he loved us. And Paul is saying that's the mind, that's the set of attitudes that we ought to come under. We ought to come under this one mind, same mind, this mind. I summarize it this way. The mind of Jesus was marked by self-sacrifice, by humility, by servanthood, and by love. And, church, if we do that, if we come together with the mind of Jesus being marked by self sacrifice, humility, servanthood, and love, then the world will hear the message that God intends for the world to hear from the church. Not a message that divides like partisan politics and personal agendas and just being right. I'm just going to be honest for a second. The church has tried to be right for decades, and for decades the world has viewed the church trying to be right about certain issues, and they've said, I don't want anything to do with that. You see, for a long time, the church was known more for what we were against than what we're for. And I'm here to tell you today that Christ follower, we can have a voice in the public arena, but our voice ought to come out loudest and strongest behind this message the message of Christ and Christ crucified. That's the message. That inspired by God's Holy Spirit, Paul delivers to Philippi. And I believe it's the message that he delivers to us today. That if we are going to come together, that it should be around Jesus. I came out of, of college wanting to change the world for a particular ideology. And I was a Christian But as I grew in my faith, I realized that the ideology that um, that I believed in, the political ideology that I believed in, was flawed. And it was being led by extraordinarily flawed human beings. Again, watch the football games today and watch the ads. You'll find that out very quickly. And I realized over time that our job as Christ followers is not to push that political agenda or ideal, whatever it may be for you. But our job is to have our voice announce Jesus. And I realized over time that my commitment and my allegiance was more to a political ideal than it was to the very one who came to save me from my sins. And church, today I want to ask you where... Does your allegiance lie? I think our voice is an indication of where our passion and our allegiance lies. And today, the big idea that I want to leave you with is this. If our involvement in the political arena has the possibility to disrupt, to damage, or to destroy our ability to share the message of Jesus, then church, we must, yes, remain silent. We must believe that God has got it and that he is ultimately still in control. And I understand that for some of you, whatever your political affiliation is or whatever you believe is going to be right, whatever end of the spectrum it is, that your motive behind that is pure and good, and you want to help change the world, and you want to help make an impact. And I understand that, and I get that. I really do. I understand that. But sometimes that motive is really being driven by a fear that this whole thing is spinning out of control. Oh, and it is. But we as Christians have more hope than that, don't we? We have the hope that no matter how bad it gets or how bad we think it's going to get, that he is still in control. I want to remind some of you that get worried about this time of year, especially in a major midterm election, after an incredibly divisive election two years ago, the words of Psalm twenty-two, twenty-eight. 28 when the psalmist wrote, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. You See, if the world hears that message, they can have hope regardless of the outcome. And I want to remind you of Isaiah 41.10, when the prophet says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Church, we have no reason to fear the outcome of any election, because God is in control. Sure, we can be disappointed. Sure, we can lick our wounds, but at some point in time, we need to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps Not because of anything that happens within, but because he is God and we are not. Because he is the king and they are not. And he is ultimately in control. I want to challenge you over these next few days, before the election happens, to consider your voice. And honestly stop and ask yourself the question... What is my voice saying? What is my social media presence saying? What is the back of my car saying? What's the sign that's on the front door of my business or my home saying? Because Christian, if we have any other voice that's louder than the one true God coming to redeem mankind with his son... And dying that death on the cross and rising again three days later. If we have a voice that comes out more passionate and stronger than that, then I think we need to stop and question where is our allegiance? Where is our allegiance? Father God, I thank you so much that we still live in a free country where our vote does count, where our voice does matter. But God, I pray that you would guard our hearts and guide our minds over these next few days. God, as we watch what happens in America over these next few days, as we watch what happens in our own community, Father God, I pray that we would be a voice that is communicating strength in you through unity. God, that we would realize that our voice proclaiming the message of spiritual, eternal hope is not a voice of weakness. And in fact, it's a voice of extreme strength. It's a unique voice. And it's a voice that our friends and our neighbors need to hear far beyond any political agenda that we may believe in. God, I pray that you would help us, that you would challenge us, that your Holy Spirit would search our hearts. God, that you would invade our lives, that you would investigate how loud our voice is for you compared to how loud it is for something else. And God, may we be honest with you for a moment. God, may we be prepared to tell the world around us, those people who are watching, that you are still in control, regardless of what happens, that we have no reason to fear because you are on our side. God, may we be that voice of hope for the future because of what you did on the cross. God, even right now, I pray for anyone gathered in this room, and they might have walked in here very, very far from you, but something happened in these last few moments, maybe something that was sung earlier or said or they saw on the screens is just really speaking to them right now, and your Holy Spirit is, is prompting them right now. If you're here in the sound of my voice, and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you don't know what tomorrow may hold, and you're really scared. You're scared about what would happen on this earth, but you're also scared about eternity. I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you, and I want to invite you to make Jesus the Savior of your eternity. God sent his son to this world to die so that you could have freedom from sin, so that you can spend eternity with God in heaven when you die one day. And if you're here today and you're not 100% sure about that, I I want to invite you to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud. There's nothing magical about this prayer. What's important is the intent of your heart. It's a prayer of salvation, and it goes something like this. You can just pray it to God silently. God, thank you for making me and bringing me here today. And right now, I admit that I've got a lot of things in my life that separate me from you. And right now, here today, I accept, I receive your gift of salvation. Help me now to grow in my faith. Just in the quietness of this room while Cynthia plays, if you prayed that prayer along with me or something like it, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand? I promise I will never embarrass you. But if you would just raise your hand. Anyone today? you. If you prayed that prayer along with me, please let me know of your decision. Let us know of your decision by filling out that information card that you received when you came in today and turning that in. And God, I pray for those who made that decision today, the most important decision in their eternity. God, I thank you that they made that today. And Father, I pray that you would help them grow in their faith. God, I pray that you would help us be the best representatives of you in a very difficult time. God, I pray that we would cause our church and our world to come together around the one message, the same message, this message, you, Jesus. And I pray all this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.